looking forward to hearing what he has for us tonight. Come and preach to us, Brother Hilton. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Man, I feel the Spirit moving. Is that all right? Is that all right? Amen. What did we come to church for tonight? Amen. To be in His presence. Amen. In His presence is fullness of joy at His right hand pleasures forevermore. Amen. There's nothing like being in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm thankful for what I feel here tonight. Amen. Why don't we just give the Lord a good hand clap of praise? Can we do that? While you're doing that, why don't you shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we're grateful, God, for what we feel. Thankful for your presence, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's what he created you for. Amen. That's what we're here for. Amen. I didn't come here just, uh, I said it this morning, and I'll say it again tonight. I didn't come here just to go through the motions. I didn't come here to satisfy a conscience. I came here because I want to. Amen. I want to be in his presence. Amen. There's no telling. Friend, there is no telling. Amen. What God can do before we leave this place tonight. Hallelujah. We read in the pages of the word of God, him healing blinded eyes. Amen. Deaf ears, raising dead people. Amen. There's no telling when Jesus is in the house. Hallelujah. Amen. Does anybody believe that he's still a healer? Anybody still believe that he's still a deliverer? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Jared, you're just trying to hype us up. Well, why aren't you hyper already? Amen. There's nothing wrong with living for God. There's nothing wrong with enjoying living for God. I love living for God. Amen. I'm glad to be in his house tonight. Amen. It's 2 Samuel 23 and 11 through 12. I don't know how, uh, what this is going to be like. Just sort of like this morning. We're just going to uh, see what God has in store for us today. And um, believing that God is going to help us. And... Uh, Amen. If you can help me, I think we can go somewhere tonight. And um, I do want to say that I, I appreciate Pastor's conf confidence in me and allowing me to uh, stand here in his absence. And I don't take that lightly. I, um, I, I don't take that lightly. It's, it's a huge responsibility. And I appreciate the fact that he would consider me um, able to fulfill this position and, uh, but we're looking forward to a swift return. Amen. And we can't wait till Pastor gets back home. Is he sometime tomorrow? Is it? Yeah. A.M. So 923 A.M. Brother Thompson's got it down to the minute. And uh, so 2 Samuel chapter 23 and 11. The 12. Wish Pastor was here tonight to help us out. Amen. But since he's not, we're going to help ourselves out. And... Uh, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord that is here. Amen. Do you feel the presence of the Lord here tonight? Amen. Second Samuel 23 and 11. If you've got it, say amen. amen. After him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a, tri a troop. 
So the important word from the first sentence is shama, and um, second important word from the next sentence is the Philistines. They were gathered together in a troop where it was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines, and he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And notice what the Lord did. He wrought a great victory. Amen. What an, what an awesome testimony. Amen. That God stepped in and helped Shammah out. And he wrought a great victory. It wasn't Shammah that did this. It was the Lord, the Bible says. Amen. God used a, an errant, a fallible vessel. Amen. And he used a man by the name of Shammah to, to bring about what the Bible calls a great victory. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm interested in a great victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I already feel the Holy Ghost in, in this service tonight. I'm thankful for good worship in the song service. Why don't we just ask God to continue what he's already doing in the remainder of the service. God, we pray. Have your perfect way before we leave this place tonight. I need your Jesus. Come on, we need the help of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, we need you, Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you can give the Lord a good hand clap of praise before we're seated. Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you, Master. I love you, Master. I love you, Master. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you can be seated tonight. Amen. Thankful for the witness of the Lord that we feel here tonight. Amen. Amen. Shamo is standing in, I'm going to label this message, Brother Josh, you won't have to ask me afterwards. I always forget to give a title. But tonight, I've got a good one. All right? Thought really hard about this one and dreamt it up. And actually, Pastor Burgess was preaching the other night, and uh, this is where I received inspiration for this. Uh, um, pastor says that I'm digressing here, but Pastor Riggin uh, always says that says that there's some uh, messages that are um, inspired or that are given by inspiration, and then there are some that are received by observation, and then there are some that are received by perspiration, and uh, different ways to get it. But I got I. Brother Burgess was preaching the other night and was talking about the mighty men of David and uh, did a phenomenal job preaching and teaching on that um, topic and, and did a, tied it into uh, how, how these men brought about a revival in Israel. And I wouldn't even try to re-preach that. But I did get a little nugget out of his message that you guys get to share with me tonight. So we can divide this little nugget amongst everybody in here and everybody might have a little bite to eat tonight. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. But um, one of the mighty men of David. Yes, sorry. I'm, I'm getting there. Brother Josh reminded me. I haven't given the title yet. Thank you. Uh, and yes, I did forget. So thank you. But um, Shama was one of the mighty men of David. One of the, one of, actually he was one of the top three mighty men that were in David's army. There was, a, there was a set of three, and then there was another set of three. I'm not going to try to read all their names because they're funky. And then we have 30 and additional 
Amen. But Shama I can produce, pronounce, and um, I will talk about him tonight since it's an easy name to pronounce. But I want to talk to you tonight about a hill of beans. All right? We're going to talk about a hill of beans. And, um, and this is what Shama, the son of Aggie, the Hararite, was defending. And from the outside, what he was standing on, that hill that the Philistines was interested in capturing and taking for their own possession, was nothing more than what the Bible calls a field full of lentils, just a hill of beans. Nothing more than a hill of beans. How many know that old saying? Well, he doesn't amount to anything more than a hill of beans. That, that's not a compliment. <laughs> Amen. That's, that's, uh, that's not a compliment. And uh, I've heard it one too many times. In my, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, but you can feel free to share it with me after we're done here tonight if you, want, if you uh, feel inspired to do so. But... Uh, Shama was defending in this passage. It's time to get serious. I, I probably ought to get serious here. But Shama was defending this hill of beans. It wasn't anything more than a hill of beans. In fact, Sister uh, Lanisha, he could have gone and planted another hill of beans. He, if, he had, if he had the ability to acquire the seeds and whatever's necessary there, I didn't research any of that, so I'm not going to even act like I did. But um, because that's not important. What I'm trying to talk to you tonight is what he was defending. From the outside, no one perceived this as being very valuable, Brother Chad. This was, this was worthless. This, past, this, this field, this field full of lentils, the only thing that this uh, field was good for was harvesting. And in its current state, wasn't even good for anything. But you had to harvest it and then later on uh, include it in some of your meals or if you're like mom, you force your children to eat them. And, uh, and, so, and so this is what he was defending, completely worthless. And at least a very little value. I'm not going to say completely worthless. But in, in most people's opinion, as they looked on this place that Shama was standing in the middle of this field, all alone defending a field full of beans. Okay. All right, got that in your mind? Spend enough time doing that. I wanted to make sure you got that lodged in your mind. We're talking about a hill of beans, all right? All right. So another um, key word that I pointed out when we first started reading was the Philistines. We talked about Shama. He's defending a hill of beans. But there's a, another uh, uh, group of people that is a part of this. And these Philistines were interested in capturing this property. Uh, they, they wanted to assume this for themselves. Probably not because of the value that was in the land. Maybe uh, more for just the territory. They wanted to take over this land. They, the Philistines owned a sliver of land right against the west coast of Canaan, and the Israelites and the Philistines were constantly, constantly by, uh, battling over this small portion of land. And so anything the Philistines could get, they were sticking their nose in it. Anywhere they could put their nose, they're putting it. And uh, you read through uh, you read through Judges, you read through First and Second Samuel, you read through even Exodus, the Bible starts talking about these Philistines that start putting their nose where it doesn't belong. And um, king of the Philistines attempted to take Sarah from Abraham in Genesis chapter 20, verse 2. And then later on, Abimelech sees Isaiah sport, Abraham's son, Isaiah sporting with Rebekah, his wife, and he says, why didn't you tell me that was your wife? I would have taken her too. So this king of the Philistines 
is trying to take the wives of these men, the patriarchs of the children of Israel. And uh, the Bible says in Genesis 26 that the Philistines envied Isaac's wealth and stopped up the wells that Abraham dug after he died. After Abraham died, the Philistines looked and saw, man, his son's a little too wealthy. We're going we're gonna to stop up, and he's doing too well. We're going to stop up these, these um, wells, and uh, he's not going to be able to feed his cattle and water his cattle and do what he needs to do. And so the Bible says that the, the Philistines envied what, the, what Israel had. And God placed, um, God placed the border of Israel against the Philistine border. We mentioned that in Exodus 23 and 31. And God sought occasion against the Philistines. It was God that sought occasion against the Philistines. You can read that in Judges 14 and 4. I'm not going to take the time to read that because we've got somewhere to go. And I don't want to waste too much time. And I already am. Uh, but God sought occasion. God had, um, God was looking at the Philistines. God, the Bible says that God sought occasion against the Philistines. Amen. What was that occasion? There was something about those guys that were always trying to take the promised land from the people of God. They were always trying to, to, to butt in where they don't belong. And God had given this land to the people of Israel. But the Philistines, there's that old ugly Abimelech over there in the land of Gerar where, where Abraham had dug the wells and, and that old patriarch Abraham had, 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 had borne the heat of the day to, to, to dig out these wells so he could feed and water his flock and Abimelech and his people go and stop it right back up. What a jerk. And, um, and that's just the way the Philistines worked. Every time Israel tried to make progress, Philistines said, nope, stop right there. That's not where you're, this is our land. And the Israelites were sitting here saying, no, God gave us this land. God promised this land to us. And so that was the root cause between, uh, that, that caused the division between Philistines and the Israelites. And you can read story after story, and we will here tonight. We'll read a couple of stories um, about these Philistines. And, um, but I wanted to put in your mind that this is, this is the root. This is what's going on. This is the constant battle and sometimes literal battles between the Philistines and the Israelites. Okay? First uh, Samuel 4 gives us a little bit of insight into how these Philistines operate. First Samuel 4 and 1 says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. God established a man of God to direct the people of Israel. Before we had kings, before we had judges, and then God established the prophet Samuel, and you read in 1 Samuel 3, the Bible talks about how God gave Samuel favor with all the people of Israel. And verse 1 of 1 Samuel 4 says, The word of Samuel came to all Israel. All of Israel had an open ear to whatever Samuel had to say. Samuel was walking in. I want to hear what he had to say. And um, now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And verse 2, And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and, uh, and when they joined the battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew all the army, uh, slew of the army in the field, 4,000 men. One of, uh, I'm just listening to on Audible, a story by, uh, by somebody, and uh, about Ulysses Grant, and it's his biography, a very good story, like 48 hours, there's no way I'm reading that, I'm listening to it on Audible, but... Um, Thank God for Audible. <laughs> but, uh, so, but Ulysses Grant was, 
he worked his way out, started out in the bottom, and I'm not going to spend too much time here, I just want to make a point here, that, that Ulysses Grant started out at the bottom and eventually worked his way up to become a lieutenant general of the, the Union, and of uh, the Union's army, and, and he was the director, and literally had full command, the, the, uh, the Bible, the, this book called him the Commander-in-Chief, he, was, he literally served as if he were the president over the army. And it was, was very active in the army. He wouldn't work in Washington. He, he had to be out on the field. Very interesting story. But one of the most, um, one of the most devastating battles that existed during the, the Civil War, um, on either side of the line, on the Confederate side and on the Union side, on the Union side, they lost 4,500 people. And on the Confederate side, they lost 4,000. And... Um, the point that I'm trying to make with that is that that's a significant number of people. Think about 4,000 people. We probably have about 40. We're talking about exponentially larger numbers than what we're looking at here tonight. But these Philistines, when they were smitten before, these Israelites, when they were smitten before the Philistines, the Bible says that they slew 4,000 of my brothers and my sisters. I mean, this started to become personal. And uh, a brother... They had to bury a brother or a sister. They had to, they had to do, they had to, they had to put some of their family members in the ground and, and something started connecting and, and these tribes of Israel started to realize that, hey, we've got to do something about this. These Philistines keep moving in on our property and they're killing my brother and my sister and, and they're, they're, they're trying to make headway and I'm not okay with that. And so there was something that got down into the hearts of these Israelites and they, that began that constant struggle, that constant war uh, between the Israelites and the Philistines. First Samuel chapter 5, we won't take the time to read it. We read, though, that the Philistines take from Israel the Ark of the Covenant. Verse, uh, in chapter 6, we read that God judges the Philistines for taking the Ark and they try to send back the Ark of the Covenant back to the people of Israel. Verse, uh, chapter 7 of 1 Samuel. Samuel tries to turn Israel back to God and promised them that God would deliver them from the Philistines. But, and we'll read this passage, that Israel never got a hold of what Samuel was trying to do. There was something that, that Israel lost sight of when these Philistines started incessantly coming up against them. And I'm going to take this probably. No, you're not. That's mine. And, and I'm going to take, no, no, that's mine. That's mine. You can't have that. And then over here, oh, and the next thing you know, everywhere the Philistines are trying to come in and, and make, make havoc where they can. And, um, and it, Samuel said, wait, 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 you guys are losing sight of something. I, I realize it's your brothers and sisters uh, that are being slain on the battlefield, but I want you to realize that we're not building a kingdom for ourselves. We're not building uh, something for us to put our name on and put our label on, but this is something uh, that God is building. Amen. Hallelujah. It's okay. I understand. I, I'm, not, I'm not against uh, that concept of, of defending my brother and sister. I said it this morning when we were closing out. That's what we're here for. When, when we have a brother out sick and not able to make it to church, that's why, that's why we pray. That's what we're here for. And so I'm not at all challenging that or coming against that. But what I am saying is that it's easy sometimes uh, amen, to develop a mentality of it's, it's us four and no more. It's me and you. And we're going to take it to the, we're going to take it to the enemy. But I want somebody to realize that there's much greater cause to be out on the battlefield. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. And I hope the Lord helps me uh, show you that here tonight. Amen. There's so much greater a reason to be walking out uh, on a battlefield and swinging the sword uh, for the king. Uh, there's so much more a greater reason. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen to the, the attitude that the Israelites had. First Samuel 7, verse 7 and 8. And I don't know if, I know I didn't give you a list, but I will try to go slow enough for you to get there. And I'll take a drink while you're getting there. First Samuel 7, <clears throat> verse 7 and 8. That's 2 Samuel. First Samuel 7, 7 and 8. Well, here, there we are. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. So we've got another battle. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. They started getting worried. And maybe another brother or sister is going to die today. In verse 8, And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of of the Philistines. I wanted to stop and make a point here that it was obvious that these Israelites wanted to have victory. It was obvious that these Israelites wanted a breakthrough in that battle. They didn't want to die. They didn't, that just, that just makes sense. They didn't want, amen, to lose to the Philistines. But what did they do about it? They ran up to Samuel, the man of God. Hey, can you pray for me? I, I need some prayer. I'm really going through it, Pastor. I need you to help me today. And thank God for a man of God who's willing to do that. We'll read here in just a few seconds that that's what made the difference in that battle. Amen. Amen. But, and we'll get there. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. Amen. But I wonder, I wonder if there's any of us that are willing to get out onto, get down on our knees and, and, and start praying maybe for one another and praying for ourselves and, and, and lifting up our eyes to, to a cause much greater than me. Amen. But, but I've got a reason that I'm praying today. Amen. I want to see souls saved. I, I want to see somebody come into these uh, whitewashed altars and be filled with the Holy Ghost and, and speak in other tongues. I've got a reason to fight. But these Israelites, they were, Pastor, can you pray? Prophet, can you give us a prophecy? Can you give us direction? And can you get a hold of God from me? And in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 10, Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together in Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. Here comes the battle. When the children of Israel heard it, again, they were afraid. The children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord for us, and um, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. Samuel took sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel. The Lord heard him. Amen. Thank God for a man of God who can get a hold of God for me. Amen. And, and as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to the battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines, discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. All because of a man of God who is willing to pray. All because of a man of God who is willing to sacrifice. All because of a man of God, I mean, who's willing, I mean, to, to set aside a day and fast. 
Amen. For a people, amen, who are in need. Amen. Aren't you thankful for a man of God like that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. What a beautiful method. What a beautiful design. This wasn't just uh, something that, that was conjured up in the minds of the people of Israel. Amen. They were referring to something that God had designed years before. Amen. The, the form and the, the processes of sacrifice and the way that this man of God was following was, was biblical, was God's design. Amen. But eventually these people, amen, they rejected this design. They rejected uh, these methods of salvation and deliverance and victory. And they said, I'm not interested in, 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 um, in a man of God praying for me. That's, that is their attitude. You can go read it. 1 Samuel 7 and 8. 1 Samuel 7, chapter 7 and chapter 8. And um, that's the way they felt about it. I mean, Samuel's not quite cutting it. Even though the prayer of the man of God, I'm literally talking within verses. Amen. Amen. They watched the prayer of a man of God, the sacrifice of a man of God. Amen. Provide victory. And then at the end of that, they said, you know what? Here's the problem. We don't have a king. Look at all these other nations. This is how the Philistines are being so successful. This is how the, uh, all these other nations are being so successful. They've got a king. They've got an army. They've got people that are willing to fight for them, people who are trained, specialized, professionals. These are men that know what they're doing. Who are we? We're just people of God. We're just people, we're just slaves from Egypt. We don't, we don't have any experience in all this. Amen. Samuel, we're not interested in hearing from God anymore. We're not interested in any of that. What I want is a king, somebody, a strong man, somebody who's got, who's got, uh, who's got the physique, who's got the power, who's got that dominant uh, personality who can drive us to victory. Hallelujah. Amen. 1 Samuel 8, 6, and 7 tells us, God's opinion on the matter. But this thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. The Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, they've rejected me, that I should not reign over them. And God took this personal. We see that God, these people of Israel, amen, they, they rejected God's original plan and the way that God wanted to see them through to victory. Amen. I mean, and, and why was that? Why, why was it? They, didn't, they weren't willing to step out onto the battlefield. They weren't willing, amen, that when the time came, when pastor was done praying and we were done fasting, amen, that there's some fighting that still has to be done. There's still some blood that has to be shed. There's still some sweat that needs to be poured. Amen. Amen. It goes beyond just... The, the motions, but it goes beyond just the expectation, but there is some real action that has to take place at some point. If we're going to see victory, we've got to have somebody get out into that battlefield and pull the string on the bow and release an arrow and, and pull the sword from the sheath and, and get out there and fight. Hallelujah. Amen. And God said, you know what? I tried. I tried to lead these people. I tried to design it so that I can institute a man of God who would lead them and direct them spiritually. Amen. But they, and their, and their physical needs and their national needs and the things that they would need uh, logistically, that, that, they could, that I would empower them and I would give them the ability to do that. Amen. Hallelujah. But that's not what the people of Israel want. 1 Samuel 8 and 19 says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. That's the key right there. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us. 
Hey Amen. I don't, I don't care what you have to say, Pastor. I don't care what you have to say. I want a king. What, the way I'm thinking is that if we have a king, we have an army. Amen. Just makes sense. I never have to swing another battle axe. I never have to step out there. We've got an army that's trained to do that. We perfected this thing. Amen. I've, I've, been, I've been in a kingdom for far too long. I've observed these other kingdoms. I've seen how they work, and they're successful. They have merchants, and they have, they have people who are willing to, uh, to build homes and, and build nations. And, 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 and if we're ever going to become civilized, and if we're ever going to do anything, if we're ever going to make a name for ourselves, guess what we need? We need a king. It just makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, we need somebody who's got a vision, who can, who can project and, and, make, make, a, and make, a, make a palace. And, and, and wow, look at Israel's palace. And look how beautiful. And, and, and that's exactly what happened. You can read in the pages of the Word of God that when Solomon came around, the golden age of Israel, that they have what a, a beautiful palace. That the Queen of Sheba came in and watched uh, as Solomon and, and watched the way that their servants made, made uh, service to the king and all this. And, and that's exactly what happened happened they got what they ordered and um amen and I'm not I'm not going against all of that I'm just hoping you understand the point that I'm trying to make here and that that these people refused to accept what God's plan was they refused that my way is better I've seen it for myself I've seen one plus one equals two. I've seen that a king plus an army equals victory. I know that this is the way it should work. What other, what other nation on earth has a prophet and just old Joe out there swinging a battle axe? That's not the way it works. Amen. But we have prophet, and, and this, is, this is where I want to tie this into, that when we come to the house of God, and we, we step into a service like, like we had tonight where the Spirit of God is moving. And, and there's an opportunity there that, that God presents to the people of God. And we have a chance for another victory. And we have a chance for another, another deliverance and a breakthrough. And, and guess what? I've seen the way it works. Amen. New life, Olathe. We've been sitting here, I don't, I don't, know, how many, uh, I don't know how many years, but 30, 40, 50 people. Amen. But, you know, the street down, the church down the street, they've got, you know, 400. What are they doing different? Let's, let's think about this. Let's, let's try and uh, imagine what it is different. What's, let's compare. They got this. We got this. They got this. Oh, man, that song. That must be it. That, that's the song. If we got that song, we'd have 300 people walk in the door. Or, 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 no, no, we're missing a guitar player. That's what it is. We need somebody who's skilled. Sister Hallie, get your guitar. What are you doing? We need somebody to play the guitar. No, I love the way you worship. I'd rather see you worship any day. My God, I, I feel the Holy Ghost in what we're doing here tonight. I'm sorry this is different, but I, I feel like God is in this. And, and Pastor can correct me and change whatever he needs to change when I'm gone. And I'll be back later, but when I'm gone temporarily. But, um, but I, I just want you to understand that, that sometimes it's so... Paul said, don't compare yourself among yourselves. There's, that's not wise. 
There's a danger in that. There's a danger when even if they're fully apostolic and, and even if they speak in tongues and baptize in Jesus' name and it seems like things are going better for them, there's something different about new life. Amen. And we ought to realize that. Amen. We've got a man of God. We've got a prophet of God. Amen. That can hear the voice of God. Amen. That can give us crystal clear direction. That lets us know when it's time to get into an altar and pray. It lets us know when it's time to step out onto a battlefield and wield the sword. It lets us know when it's time to open up a door and teach a Bible study. Hallelujah. Amen. But these people that we also, verse 20 of 1 Samuel 8, that we also may be likened to all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. That's all I want. That's all I want is victory, Pastor. All I want is sometimes the kingdom of God is not just victory, 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 victory. Sometimes there's work. Sometimes there's a, somebody with a, a hammer and a nail and, and some boards and they're building a wall and, and they're making a house and they're building a place for the presence of God to dwell. Amen. How are we going to have a house for God if nobody's willing to work? Where's the Spirit of God going to dwell? Amen. If there's nobody here, amen, praying the Spirit of God down and making a way, making a clear pathway for Him to enter into this place. I need somebody who's willing to work. God needs somebody who's willing to step out. I know the job gets long. I know this project seems like it's been going and going and going. Amen. But what a beautiful facility. Amen. We can produce for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. What these people were experiencing... Hallelujah. I thought about preaching a message talking about professional Pentecost. Amen. Or perfect Pentecost. Amen. Where we, we reach a place where we feel like, amen, we know all the ins and the outs. Amen. But where's that attitude? It says, God, I don't even know how to go out and come in before you. I don't even know. I, I'm not even going to try and act like uh, I can put this together. It isn't one plus one. Amen. This is something much greater. Hallelujah. 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 What these uh, people were what these people were dealing with was a man-made kingdom. They meant a revival. They wanted revival. My God, I want revival. I want to see souls saved. I want to see people, amen, that that don't have hope. Hallelujah. That don't have the answers. That doesn't know what John 3 and 3 through 5 says. That doesn't know, amen, that it requires spirit birth and, and, and water birth, amen, to make it to heaven. 
They don't understand the difference, Brother Brock, Brother Thompson, I'm sorry, between, uh, amen, one God and three uh, and a trinity. And, and they don't understand that. But, but if I could bring them into this place, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. But no, make us like everyone else. Maybe that's what's wrong. Maybe we need to cut out that stuff. Maybe we need to, we need to tweak this and change the color of the pews and change the walls. And No. I mean, that's a man-made revival. That's something that you produced. I'm not, I'm not interested in what you have to produce. I'm interested in a move of the Holy Ghost, something that got not a man-made production, but a production of the Holy Ghost. And man, I still believe in New Testament apostolic power. I still believe in healing. I still believe in miracles. That's not anything man-made. That's when a God steps into an apostolic atmosphere and says, I'm going to show them who God really is. I'm going to show them what my kingdom's really all about. You can't get that by changing the color of your carpet. You can't get that by tightening your britches. You can't get that by finding a skinnier tie. You can't get that by becoming more modern. Hallelujah. I wish somebody would hear me tonight. I wish somebody could get this spirit tonight. Amen. I'm not interested in making something for myself. All righteousness, filthy rags. Anything I can produce, uh, comparison to what the beautiful Word of God can produce, uh, and the Spirit of God tied in uh, with the Word of God, uh, is filthy rags. Hallelujah. You could be seated. Hallelujah. 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 Make us like everyone else. Amen. Listen, let me see if I can figure out where I'm at here. First Samuel chapter 9, verse 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I'll send you a man out of the land of Benjamin. Thou shalt anoint him. He will be captain over my people, Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry is coming to me. God said, I heard, I heard what the people of Israel are asking for. They really don't know. If you go back in verse chapter 7, sorry, for Samuel, you could see a part where Samuel says, you guys have no idea what you're even asking for. You don't even know what you're asking for. And God said, you know what? I'm going to give it to them, whether they know it or not. Whether they are fully aware of what the consequences are or not, they're going to get what they asked for. And uh, initially we see Israel experiencing tremendous victory over their enemies. And uh, Saul was indeed that, that type A man. He was a, what a man, just a head and shoulders above everybody and strong man, the one that all the girls wanted to date, the, all the, one, the one that everybody wanted to, to get to know. This guy's the, he's the guy. He's the king. And um, they experienced victory. He led them literally, like within days of his quote-unquote inauguration, the day that he was anointed, the day that he became king, within days, amen, he sent out letters all over the kingdom. Guess what? Meet me in this valley. We're going to have a battle. We're going to destroy them. And they did. Amen. 
But I don't read anywhere in that where God was helping them. I don't read anywhere there that it was the Spirit of God that wrought the victory. I don't read, and, and so anything that they were doing was a victory. Could have been labeled victory. Could have been progress, success. Amen. Amen. But they weren't, but God wasn't involved. And um, 1 Samuel 12 and 9 actually tells us that, and when they, they forgot the Lord their God, the Bible says that the Israelites forgot, under King Saul, forgot the Lord their God. He brought him out of Egypt. What a God. He's healed them. He gave them raiment for 40 years and food and, and provided for them day after day. And how can you forget what God has done? But these people forgot. And then what God did was sold them into the hands of Sisera, Sisera, captain of the host of Hazor, and into the hand of those nasty old Philistines, the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. So God, all right, do what you want to do. This is your deal. It's your kingdom now. It's not mine. I'm not even going to claim. I mean, what a, what, how far did these people have to go, I mean, to be the people of God and now they don't even know who God is. They don't even know what he's about. They don't even realize, amen, the things that he's trying to do with them. And um, so you want a king that will fight? I'll give you a king that will fight and people to fight. I'm going to give you exactly what you asked for. You wanted a king. You wanted somebody who will fight. Well, how can you fight without enemies? I'll give you enemies upon enemies. They're going to tear you apart, Israel. And by the end of Saul's reign and the people of Israel so backslidden I mean they've lost the ark of the covenant the presence of God is nowhere near the people of God nowhere near where God originally placed it I mean we, we read about it that the, in, at the beginning of uh, Samuel that they lost the ark they didn't even get it they did not who brought it back into the Jerusalem David David was the one so it was David I mean under David's reign that they brought it back into the, the kingdom of God. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Let's, let's read a couple of scriptures. 1 Samuel 13, 1 through 7. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel. Whereof 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in, uh, and in Mount Bethel. Can you go and put this up there because it's a little bit of a lengthy reading? And I don't want them to lose it by my poor reading. But verse 2 says, <clears throat> Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel, whereof 2,000 were, were with Saul in Michmash and in Mount Bethel. And 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. And the rest of the people he sent every man to his tent. And Jonathan, notice this, Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba. Geba, great, victory. And the Philistines heard of it, and Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, let the Hebrews hear. And verse 4, it says, And all the Hebrews heard say that Saul had smitten a, gar a, a garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel also was, also, um, was had an abomination with the Philistines. It was Jonathan that did this. Jonathan's the one that had victory in this situation. Amen. But Saul said, Saul is... He's not interested in building a kingdom for God. What he's interested in building a kingdom for Saul. And so what he did was, guys, look what we did. We, look, at, look at the victory we just had. 
and with the people of Israel, he said, share with everybody that, that Jonathan, uh, he said, Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard it, and Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, let the Hebrews hear. I want everybody to hear this. In verse 4, it said, all Israel heard what they heard when the message finally got to them was that Saul was the victory, was the victor. Amen. And this, this produced something in the people of Israel. This, this attitude, this arrogancy, this look at me, look at how I'm doing, look at, look at what we're doing. We're, we're building a kingdom. Look at, we're getting victory. And woo, yeah, we have a kingdom. Yes, boom. Look at us. People of Israel, we've got our own deal going. Man, what a great king, great king of Saul. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen. We're on verse 5 now. And people, as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude, and they came up, pitched in Michmash, eastward from Beth-Avon. And when the, people, when the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and thickets and rocks and high places and in pits. Everybody started running. Everybody started scattering. And then why were they scattering? And then because they didn't, they didn't believe in the cause that they were fighting for. They didn't, they didn't connect with King Saul when he said, get out there and fight. They said, no way. Amen, this is for you. I'm not going to spill my blood for you. Amen, I'm not going to spend my, my sweat for you. This is, this is for you, Saul. Amen. This is, notice, this, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. This is in your Bible. 1 Samuel 14 and 1. That, wait, they believe me. It's in their Bible. 14 and 1. 1 Samuel 14 and 1. Now it was come to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the, Saul, uh, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison. That is on the other side, that he told, but he told not his father. So I'm going to go fight, but I'm not telling dad. I know, I know what we can do if we had the help of God. I know that we can, we can have victory, but I'm not telling Dad because I know what he did last time. He took the credit. All right? And so and this, is, this is what it's like when you're trying to build a kingdom for yourself. I'm just trying to paint a picture here, and hopefully uh, you can see it. And, and once we're done painting it, you can throw it away, whatever you want to do with it. But right now, we're going to look at the picture, okay? And so, so Saul was trying to build a kingdom for himself. And Jonathan is in this kingdom, and uh, he's winning victories. Victory after victory. Boom, boom, boom. And, and uh, wow, what a man that Jonathan is. Amen. But notice the difference between Jonathan and his own dad. Verse 14, chapter 14, verse 6. Jonathan said to the young man that bears armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be. It might. It, if we're... If we're praying enough, if we're fasting enough, we might just have a breakthrough. Maybe that the Lord will work for us. Amen, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain. Amen, unless God's helping us, what we're producing is worthless. Amen, but Jonathan understood that. We might, if we, can, if we can just touch heaven, amen, it may be that the Lord will step in and do another victory, help us out again. I mean, we're not going to tell dad because I know what dad's going to do with that, amen, but if we can just get in good with God and, and get a hold of God, amen, tonight, maybe when I go to church on Tuesday night, we might just, maybe God will do something for us. 
On Saturday afternoon when Brother Thompson's taking us out on, on outreach, maybe God will just do some work for us. Maybe he'll go ahead and open some doors and, and maybe he'll open some hearts and start tugging on the strings of, of people's souls and, 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 and get their attention for us. Hallelujah. It's important how our perspective is. It's important. Amen. Our motive behind what's going on. Amen. Hallelujah. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And this is an important message for us at New Life Pentecostal Church to realize, amen, that the church in Colorado Springs that I'm privileged to be a part of and, and learn from and, and, be a, and experience things in, amen. Amen, it doesn't matter if we're in a 500-member church or a 50-member church, amen, the God that we serve can do and will do the same thing. All he's looking for is people willing to work, amen, and people willing to work for him and not for themselves. He's looking for somebody, amen, to get out to that pasture and find that old lamb that, that you covet and you, that you love so much and that you spent the years developing and cultivating and feeding and cherishing and developing and sacrifice that to him. He wants that from you. He wants your personal best. Amen. The kingdom of God is always looking for something better, someone better, someone willing to give more of themselves. Not for themselves, amen, but of themselves for Him. Amen. Amen. I feel the Holy. Why don't we just talk to the Lord? God, would you open our minds, open my heart? God, help us tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It might be. He might just do something next Tuesday. He might do something on Thursday night. He might. So I'm just going to keep on showing up. I'm going to keep on being there. When Pastor asks, guess what? Guess who's going to be there? Every time these doors are open, I'm right there. Pastor, you can count on me. You need somebody to, to wash the parking lot? I'm available. You need somebody to mow the grass? Guess who's available? It might be that God, while I'm working, amen, something might, mighty will happen. That maybe we'll have a breakthrough. And, and maybe while I'm there, that God will do something for us. I don't know about you, but when God begins to pour out his spirit, amen, I want to be right there in the middle of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know I've been preaching for a while. You can be seated. Amen. We're, I'm not done yet, though. I'm sorry. Amen. I do feel there's something burning in me, and I want to get it out. Amen. I want somebody to leave this place. I don't care. Amen. How we end. I don't have anything set up in my mind exactly how we ought to respond. All I'm interested in is somebody in this place getting a mind to work. Somebody in this place being willing to get out there, pick up a shovel. Amen. We got to dig another well. I'm ready to feed some cattle. Amen. I'm ready to drink some cattle.
Hallelujah. Amen. Look at the audacity that Jonathan had in 1 Samuel just, uh, chapter 14 and 8. Then said Jonathan, uh, Behold, we will pass over unto these men and discover ourselves unto them. And if they say unto us, Terry, until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we'll not go up unto them. But if they say uh, thus, come up unto us, then we'll go up. Uh, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand and this shall be a sign unto us. Well, Jonathan, how do you know that? Hoping the Lord will work for us. I don't know. I'm just going to get out there and make myself available. I don't know. He might not. But guess what? I believe in a God who's faithful. I believe in a God armor bearer. If you get out there and help me fight. Yeah, we might have to make ourselves vulnerable. We might have to expose some things. I mean, there's some things that might get uncomfortable. Amen. But I wanted God to know that I'm going to make myself available. Come on, do you want to make yourself available to him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You not you might not be called on, amen, to lead outreach. You might not be called on, amen, to read a scripture. Amen. What a what a neat thing, amen, Brother Thompson. I'm sure that came from you, amen, because I've never seen it. Amen. And this here, amen, before he got here. So I'm going to give him the credit for that. Amen. But uh, we do it back in, uh, in Colorado Springs. It's a neat thing. Amen. Starting the, the service off, amen, with scripture. Amen. Brother Jared, why are you getting on that? I don't know. I just think it's neat. I think it's cool. Amen. There's power in the word of God. There's healing power in the word of God. There's victory in the word of God. You know what? Brother, brother, uh, I'm sorry. Jaheem. Amen. When you get back here and read that scripture again, don't just do it because he asked you to. You go and pray until you find you a good scripture. Find you something that will connect with yourself. Don't worry about any of these. You find something that means something to you. And you read it with everything inside of you. You know what? Somebody out here is going to feel the passion in your heart. Somebody out here is going to recognize there's something in that boy. He's making himself available. He's making himself vulnerable. Somebody might criticize him. Somebody might challenge what, oh, you misread that word. You said that. I'm just making myself available. I want God to use me. Hey, I want to let somebody know, amen, that, that God still uses, uh, amen, fallible vessels. Amen. Whenever he started that all the way in the Bible. Amen. He started that all the way when he started the church and birthed it in Acts chapter 2. Amen. He gave it to 12 fallible men. And he's still doing it. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. We can skip over that. I'm going to skip that for your sake. Amen. There was another young man. In the Bible, amazingly, that, that also had the right perspective. Amen. He had, the right, he had the right cause, the right motive, the right drive that, that was causing him. Amen. When nobody else was willing to do it, I'll be out there. Amen. This guy was available. First Samuel 17 and 1. Now when the, the Philistines, old stupid Philistines, gathered together their armies to battle, were gathered together at Shokah, which belonged to Judah, pitched between Shokoh, Shokah, whatever, and 
Azica, not whatever about the word of God, just that word, I can't pronounce it. And Ephesdamim, in verse 2, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah, set the battle in array against the Philistines. We have these guys, old Philistines, all over again. We've been dealing with this all this time. Over, and I wish we could get victory over these guys. I wish we didn't have to deal with this again. I'm so sick and tired of showing up to church and dumb old Philistines. I don't know about you, but I would be. <clears throat> Amen. I, there was something in the heart of this, and we'll get to them in a second. You probably know where it is because we're in 1 Samuel 17. But uh, if you don't, we'll get there in a second. Amen. But there was something in these people that there was that they were just scared. That that every time the Philistines came out, they started shaking in their boots. And they, they didn't they didn't want to go out there. And you know why? Because they had been trained and developed in this culture that we're fighting for the king. We're not doing, we're not, we're fighting for a man. We're trying to create a name for ourselves. And and that's the wrong motive. Amen. But when you have somebody who's got the right perspective and saying, you know what, I'm not doing this for any man. I'm doing this for God. I'm not doing this because pastor asked me to. I'm doing this because there's something deep inside of me. Amen. That's telling me to get out there and, and, and fight. Hallelujah. Big, bad, tough Goliath steps out. The king of them all. Man, he's the biggest problem. Man, when he goes up, we always have bad church. Every time that he comes out, man, we just, it's a flap. It's worthless. I wish I hadn't even gone to church. Well, you can laugh, but I've been there. I mean, every time this guy steps out, Things are just messed up. Distraction after distraction after distraction. And all these different things. I just wish he'd go away. I just wish we could just have church. Well, guess what? You can. But it's going to take some work. You can have church. But it's going to take some overcoming. Amen. It's going to change, take a change in your perspective. It's going to have to require a, a, a transformation in our mind. And to stop being so, Romans chapter 12, don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Change the way you're thinking. Change the way you view it. Change the way that you come into church. If Goliath shows up. I don't care. It's not going to change the way I worship. It's not going to change the way that I praise him. Why? Because I'm doing it for him, not for me. I'm doing it for him, not for him. I'm not doing it because she's over there doing it. I'm not doing it because he's over there outdoing me. I'm doing it because he, he needs it. He deserves it. He, this is what he created me for. Hallelujah. Amen. Champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath. Height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of brass upon his head, armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. He had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target brass between his shoulders. Staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head 
weighed 600 shekels of iron, one bearing a shield, went before him. Man, what a armor. Dude seems impenetrable. I bet even Brother Carlos couldn't beat him. <laughs> Man, Goliath, he's got, he's buff, he's tall. Seems impossible. All right? It's a lot of armor. I mean, I don't know. I never fought, but it seems like it's a lot of armor. Verse 8, and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, <clears throat> said to them, why are you come out to set your battle in array? In array? That's the question I have for him. If you're going to hide behind that rock, why'd you even come out? What are you doing? Stand, gird yourself up, get up and stand, fight. Just like the Philistines, these were men. These were not just little rascals. These were men. I mean, you can read in the Bible, I don't know where it's at, somewhere in the Bible, it talks about quit yourself like men, and they're talking about the Philistines. The, Phil, the Philistine captain looked at him and said, you guys get up, act like a man. I mean, this was the time, it was the time when, when uh, the Israelites brought in the Ark of the Covenant into their camp, and, and the, the Philistines started getting nervous, and, and things started not going right, and everything was going contrary to plan. These Philistines said, the captain turned around and said, Act like a man. I mean, these Israelites needed a Philistine captain. They needed somebody to get out there and say, get up. Get off the ground. Get out from behind that rock. Do something. And, uh, and so these Israelites, scared as they could be. Why'd you even come out into battle and set your battle in array? Am, I, am not I a Philistine and you servants to Saul? I mean, notice what he recognized. I mean, he recognized that these people were not servants of the Most High God, but he said, you're servants of Saul. How does he know? Because they're hiding behind rocks. I mean, choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. All this is down to men, men, men versus men. Wow, look how strong he is. Look how big he is. Look, I want to get the best of the best of the best because they have the best. This is the best fighter. Amen. So give me the best man. He's got the most talent. He can sing the best. He can play the piano the best. I mean, he's got all of the talent. Amen. He's the one that's going to take, that's going to take charge of Goliath. He's going to drive him out. I mean, when those distractions come, we need somebody with real talent. We need somebody who can, uh, who can, uh, who can not stumble when they're trying to make an announcement. Who can, who can, no. Amen. You understand what I'm trying to say there? Amen. It doesn't require a, an eloquent speaker. I mean, what did Paul say? I mean, I'm not coming to you in man, with, with enticing words of man's wisdom. I'm not coming to you because I'm a good, eloquent speaker. I mean, even though Paul was, he was an intelligent man. He had the ability. If any of the apostles had the, uh, the education and, and the wisdom and, 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 and earthly knowledge to teach and to talk and, and give speeches, it would have been Paul out of all of them. Yeah, Paul. And so... But he said, I'm not coming, I'm not gonna use that. I'm not gonna use that tonight. What I'm gonna use is a demonstration of the power of the Spirit. Not coming to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, because that's enticing to men. I'm not trying to entice, I'm not trying to make you look at me and say, wow, what a smart dude. I don't care. What I'm interested, Paul said, what I'm interested in is a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. I want to see an old-fashioned outpouring of God's Spirit. I want to see souls saved. I want to see somebody who doesn't have hope uh, given that hope. 
And I'm not talking about just temporary hope, amen, that expends itself next week. I'm talking about an eternal hope, hope to walk on streets of gold. Paul had the right perspective. Amen, but back to David. Not sure how I got on Paul, but anyway. Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants? But if I prevail against him, kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. <clears throat> and the, all he's interested in here is building a kingdom for himself or someone else. Okay? And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Philistine, this Goliath, all he's focusing on is you. And if we can elevate our minds beyond just ourselves, amen, we've already defeated Goliath. If we can get our minds beyond you and me and what's going on in this room, amen, and get our minds into what God's trying to accomplish, amen, within this room, amen, we've already beat Goliath. Amen, we don't have to worry about him. When he steps in, he's already focused on the wrong thing. He's got the wrong target. Amen, anybody hearing me here tonight? Hallelujah. He said, I defy the armies of Israel. I'm not interested in your God. I'm interested in, in you. I want to try and, and attack you. And that's the way the devil works. Amen. He knows that he's already lost. He's fighting a losing battle. Amen. If he's fighting against God, but if he can get in your ear, Sister Jasmine, and tell you a lie and say, Larissa's mad at you, and I don't even know why, but I'm just going to give you some lame excuse. Amen. The devil's already won. Amen. But if you can say, forget that. I don't care about that junk. I mean, that's just Goliath trying to make himself look big, bad, and tough. I mean, but I got a God that's so much bigger. And then King Saul tried to strap onto David some armor and something that would that makes sense. And this is how you ought to this is how you ought to march and this is how you ought to swing your sword. And and and, and David said, Stop, I'm not here for dance lessons. What I'm here is to beat the enemy. I'm here to kill the enemy. I'm here to win. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. There's something that God wants to put into you, and he wants to put into me, and he wants to say, you ought to lift your eyes a little higher. Forget about what's going on around you. You don't even know, amen, what God is trying to accomplish in this service tonight, but it's so much bigger than what you can imagine. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. That old mean brother Eliab tries to step out and say, 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 David, why did you come down here? With whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? All he's doing is, you're nothing. You're not even worth anything. You have no idea what you're doing out there. I know. But I'm going anyway. Eliab, what are you doing behind that rock? I'm going to walk out here. Amen. The kid that didn't know how to do anything except to defend a few sheep and, and show them where the right grass is, amen, was much more of a man than the man who's been in training for years. I mean, this guy, he's supposed to be the professional. He's out hiding behind a rock. And where's Goliath? Trying to. Well, maybe we can run the aisles now.
Oh, there, there he is. Everybody else is clapping. I mean, that was Eliab's attitude. What are you doing over there? Jaheim, why are you reading that scripture? It doesn't matter that Brother Thompson asked him to. Why are you doing that? You, you messed up. You shouldn't have read it that way. I don't even know what scripture you read. I wasn't listening. I was back there. But, so, I'm not talking seriously. I'm being sarcastic. I mean, why, why are you doing it that way? I, I think you ought to do it this way. Shut up, Eliab. There's a much greater cause than what you're focused on. I mean, what did, what did David say? I mean, anybody know? 1 Samuel 17, 29. Put it up on the wall. And this is what we can le- put here. David said, what have I done? All I'm doing is what I, what I think God, what it will please God. Amen. Listen, friend, if you are doing something for the kingdom of God, if it isn't pastor and, and they're criticizing you, ignore them. You go on and do what, God, what you think you can do for God. Keep on doing it. Keep on doing what you know to do. Keep on praying. I don't care how funny it sounds. I don't care how crazy you seem. Keep running the aisles. Keep shouting. And keep reaching out. And you know how I was so happy to hear that Brother Thompson had started outreach. Amen. That was one of the biggest things. Sister uh, Desiree and I were talking about some things that I would learn. Amen. When I go out to uh, Colorado Springs, one of the biggest things, Sister Desiree, is how vital outreach is to that church. How critical. That is their heartbeat. I'm talking about every person in that pew, in those pews. At some point that week, they've reached somebody. They've talked to somebody. And then on Saturday, there's organized outreach. Every Saturday, don't don't, make, don't, don't criticize him or anything like that about, uh, about that. And by the way, I'm not talking about a couple weeks ago when we were at, youth service, or at that youth rally. I'm not talking about that at all. That was, I, I just thought of that. I'm not criticizing that because of that. And if you were involved there, you know what I'm talking about. But I, what I'm talking about is, is just doing something for God, making myself available. Amen, regardless of who's looking, regardless of who's talking, regardless of what they're saying, amen, I'm going to get out there and, and, and I know this is unconventional, but I'm going to swing my, my sling and boom, maybe the Lord will help us. Maybe God will help us today. Amen. Amen, I'm going to skip a lot of this. I feel like we're where we need to be. Amen, that... Amen. Notice that we will read this. That First Samuel, chapter seventeen, verse forty-five through forty-seven. Amen. He just David just knew with went with what he knew. Saul, Saul tried to put him in some armor, put him in some some new stuff, and teach him some things. Here's how you ought to do it. This is how you ought to lead worship. This is how you ought to run the aisles. This is how you ought to sing the song. And David said, "Get it. If you want me to fight, I'm going to do it this way. This is the way I've always done it, and this is the way I'm going to keep on doing it." 
Amen. That David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and spear, with a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day that the Lord delivered hath will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I want this world to know. I want this city to know that the same God that is in the Bible that the same God that worked for the apostles is right here at New Life Pentecostal Church. Hallelujah. Can we all stand together? Hallelujah. Amen. When David took over the kingdom, amen, we, we take note, amen, the Philistines recognize, oh no, I remember that guy. Amen. When, when Saul was, in, was in, on the throne and, and he was leading the kingdom, I mean, the Philistines could do pretty much whatever they wanted to. Amen. But they, when they realized, oh, it was little old David, the, the, sling, the rock slinger. Amen. He's the one that, amen, that walked out there, the little ruddy dude. When he took the king, when he took the kingdom, amen, something changed, something shifted in the minds of the Philistines. And in Second uh, Samuel 5 and 17, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard it and went down to the hold. They started you know, showing themselves, here comes Goliath again. Let me show you how strong I am. And David said, nope, I know how to do this. Amen. I, my, my focus isn't me. My focus isn't on me. What I'm focused on is building a kingdom for God. I'm going to do something greater than Saul ever dreamt of doing. Amen. Someday we're going to have a God not in a tabernacle of skins, but we're going to have a God in a temple right here in the middle of Jerusalem. I'm building something for God. I want to make a place comfortable for God to dwell. I'm not necessarily concerned, amen, about the feelings and, the, and how everybody feels when they come in. What I'm interested in is how does God feel when he's in this place? Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Notice this. Notice this. Verse uh, 18. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? He didn't just go out and do it. Amen. He's checking in with God. Amen. He said, God, I need to know. I mean, I need some direction. And wilt thou deliver them into my hand? The Lord said to David, Go up. Doubtless I'll deliver Deliver the Philistines to thine hand. David came to Baal Perazim, and David smote them there and said, The Lord hath broken. The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as, as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perazim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. And then what would Saul's men have done? They would have grabbed them, taken them home, and started worshiping them. But no, 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 not David. Their, their focus is right. Their perspective is right. There's something different between these men and the men that grew up under Saul. Amen. They're focused on building a kingdom for God. Amen. The Philistines came up again. Here they come again. Oh, David, David, what you gonna? I'm just gonna do what I did last time. We're just gonna keep on having church. Hallelujah. Came again, spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Same place, same thing. And when David inquired of the Lord, oh, here we go. We got to go have another prayer meeting. Okay, God said, let's do it. And, the, and, and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. When David inquired of the Lord, he said, thou shalt not go up and, and fetch a compass behind them and come upon them against the mulberry trees. So God, notice this, I messed up a second ago, that whenever they went and prayed and asked God for it, he said no. 
okay? And so they didn't go, and, but when they, but here's the reason why, that in verse 24, God said, you know what, you've been fighting enough. Here comes a time, amen, when God sees his people who've been laboring day in and day out. And God knows your limits. God knows when you can't go any longer. God knows, listen to me somebody, God knows, amen, when you're at your max, that, that you can't go anymore, that you can't go, amen, any further, amen, that he'll step in. The Bible says the spirit helps our infirmities. Amen. I know this is long. I hope that I hope you guys can bear with me here and amen. Catch what's going on. Amen. That when when David he fought, amen. God approved it. He went out and fought. Amen. The Philistines came back. God approved it. He went out and fought. Amen. But there was a time, amen, that he asked God, God, do we need to go fight? God said, Nope, I'll take care of it this time. Amen. And verse 24 says, And let it be when thou hearest the going of a sound in the tops of the mulberry trees, and thou that then thou shalt bestir thyself, and then shall the Lord go out before thee. And to smite the host of the Philistines. And then David, when you've gone as far as you can go. We talked about it this morning. Amen. Keep on running. Keep on running till you're done. Amen. But when God steps in, amen, just take a sideline and watch the glory. God's going to do something greater than you could ever produce. Hallelujah. Amen. But until then, I'm just going to keep on making myself available. I'm going to let God use me. I don't care what Eliab's saying. I don't care where Goliath is standing. I'm going to keep on fighting. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Can we all come around to the front? Hallelujah. I figure I probably ought to tie this in with my title and make sure that I make it make sense here, but uh, I totally forgot about this part. Amen. But sometimes I think we get it backwards. We get focused on our own kingdom. We get focused on the things that we want to acquire. Nice car, nice home, everything nice, 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 nice. And we start building a kingdom, amen, for ourselves. Amen. But God's waiting for some people. I'm going to stand in the middle of the hill of beans and say, God, I know it doesn't look like much. I know that what, what everybody thinks is little, I know that this is really where you're at. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? I mean, why else do we come to church? Amen. This is, this is where God's at. Right here in the middle of a hill of beans. I mean, it doesn't look like much. And I'm sorry, brother child, I'm not I'm not disgracing you, amen, but you don't look like much. You don't amount to much more than a hill of beans. I'm just kidding, brother. I love Brother Chad. Brother Weems, you do not look like much. I don't look like much. You know what? All we are are just people saved by grace. Amen. I don't care how big we ever get. I don't care if we, uh, we build it. Let's build a skyscraper. Let's do something huge for God. But even when we're doing that, we better not outgrow our hill of beans. I mean, there is, there is something valuable. Shama, I wish you'd stand there until you die. Keep on fighting. Even though everybody else, every, your friends, everybody else is leaving you out there all alone. Jaheem, 
Stand there and fight. You've got a responsibility. If you want to achieve anything in the kingdom of God, you have a responsibility. You better keep on fighting. We're going to lose the hill of beans if, and that's all we got. Somebody better fight. Somebody better fight. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Hallelujah.